Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 58, your workers' compensation insurance policy. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay, and I'm here to help you thrive in your role as an employer. This is where small business owners gain employer intelligence in around seven minutes every Tuesday and Thursday. The first episode I did on work comp insurance was episode 11, which was like a 100,000 foot overview where I covered what it pays for, talked about how benefits vary by state, and explained that it's compulsory insurance. In other words, you're required to have it if you have employees, with a few exceptions. We'll learn more about the work comp insurance policy on this episode of Small Biz Brainiac. Let's rock this. Again, on episode 11, I also promised to do more episodes on work comp insurance, and I did. On episode 27, I talked about how your traveling employees are covered for work comp-related injuries, and on episode 28, I talked about the same issue but as it relates to telecommuters. I also did episode 40 on the assigned risk plan, which is the way employers buy work comp insurance when they can't find an insurance company who will write them a policy on a voluntary basis. Even if you only have one employee, it's mandatory that you have work comp insurance. I've been calling it work comp, which is short for workers' compensation, but the full name is actually workers' compensation and employers' liability insurance. But I'm going to keep referring to it as work comp insurance, or I might say workers' compensation. Either way, you know what I'm referring to. So work comp benefits are mandated by the state, and therefore they vary by state. The benefit framework is pretty universal, but there are a lot of variations in the level of benefits and the rules surrounding how those benefits are paid. Your work comp insurance is comprised of an information page, the policy, and endorsements. The policy has six parts, which are like chapters, and the number of endorsements depends on a lot of different factors. Most insurance companies use the same policy template and then add endorsements to make it comply with state law and to accommodate special coverage situations. The detailed benefits that the policy pays aren't included in the document because it has to pay the state-mandated benefits, and that would just kill too many trees to try and put into the policy So it incorporates those benefits by reference to state law. Now let's break it down, starting with the information page. This is where you'll find the specific details that apply to you. For example, who is the insured and what is the coverage period? It tells you which states you are insured in and how much the premium is. Well, it gives you an estimate of the premium based on the payroll by class code or job type that you gave your agent during the application process. Now, this might have been your prior 12 months of actual payroll or an estimate of your future payroll based on what you think you'll pay. Either way, the insurance company will want to true it up at the end of the policy. You might have to report actual payroll each month, and the insurance company might adjust your payments if the month-to-month payroll starts to change significantly from the original estimate. What you should do is calculate your true premium each pay period. All the information that you need to do this to determine your net or cost rate by class code is on the information page of your policy. But it can be difficult to calculate 
if you're not familiar with the equation, so ask your insurance agent to provide you with the rates. To calculate the actual premium, divide the total wages for the pay period by 100 and multiply that by the rate. So say you paid $30,000 in wages under the clerical class code 8810 and your rate is 25 cents. The premium would be $75. Your insurance company may also decide to do an on-site audit at the end of the policy, and if that happens, and you've already tracked your cost each pay period, then you'll already know what the adjustment is going to be. That is unless you didn't use the right wages, or you calculated the rate by class code incorrectly, or you misclassified your employees. Now let's go over the policy. Like I said earlier, it has six parts or chapters. Parts one and two are the different types of coverage that it provides. Workers' compensation is part one, and employer's liability is part two. I'm not going to get into what employer's liability covers in this episode because claims under part two, employer's liability, are fairly uncommon, and it would take a lot of time to explain. Part 3 identifies the other states where the insurance applies. All the states where you have employees should be listed on the information page in Section 3A. If there are states where you expect to have employees later on in the policy period, or you have employees that regularly travel to a specific state for work, then you'll want to make sure that those states are listed in Part 3 of the policy. If your employee is injured in a state that isn't listed on the policy in either of these areas, and they file a claim and they qualify for benefits, and the benefits are better in that state, then the policy will only pay the benefits of one of the states that you're insured in, and you'll have to come out of pocket for the difference. Part 4 explains what you have to do when an injury occurs, or an injury that may be covered. So even if you don't think your employee's injury is work-related, you need to report it. Your duties boil down to reporting the claim, providing all the information you have about it, making sure your employee gets immediate medical service, cooperate with the insurance company during their investigation, and don't do anything to waive your rights of subrogation or to to damage the rights of the insurance company to recover from a third party, and don't pay anything on the claim yourself. Now, Part 5 is all about premium, and the key point here is the audit provision. You're agreeing to be audited, and you agree to maintain the records necessary for the audit for a period of three years after the policy ends. Part 6 is called conditions, and it allows the insurance company to inspect your workplaces and operations. It talks about the policy being non-transferable. It covers cancellation. Now, when it comes to an insurance company's ability to cancel the policy, This section is usually overridden by an endorsement because cancellation terms vary by state, and cancellation laws are designed to make it hard for the insurance company to kick you to the curb. And in most states, the insurance company only has a few reasons why they can cancel your policy before its expiration, and the main reason is non-payment of premium. And finally, there are endorsements, lots and lots of endorsements. There are mandated endorsements, such as the Terrorism Risk Insurance Act endorsement, or TRIA, and there are voluntary endorsements, such as the waiver of subrogation. Now, a little bit about TRIA. It was the result of the awful terrorist attacks on 9-11-2001. 
Work comp insurance doesn't have a policy limit like your auto policy or your property insurance policy, and it doesn't exclude employee injuries resulting from terrorism. So when 9-11 happened, the work comp insurers, well, mostly the reinsurers, the, the insurance companies that insure the insurance companies, they lost billions of dollars. And TRIA was passed in 2002, and it limits insurance companies' work comp liability in the event of losses from certified acts of terrorism that exceed a certain aggregate limit. It also requires the government to partially reimburse the insurance companies for some of the losses that that they occur within those limits. And for this, you pay a premium tax on your policy, which goes to the federal government. The U.S. Treasury manages the TRIA premiums, but I wasn't able to find out how much they've actually collected since the law was passed or how much they have on hand. Either way, I'm sure they've loaned it to the cash-strapped government, and the fund's probably nothing more than a bunch of worthless IOUs, like the Social Security quote-unquote trust fund. Well, there you have it. Let's recap. Work comp is mandatory. Your policy pays the state-mandated benefits. Your policy has three sections or elements. There's the information page, the policy, which has six parts or chapters, and the endorsements. Your policy is subject to audit. You should calculate your premium each pay period. So have your agent get you your net or cost rate by class code and calculate your premium payroll by payroll. Report all of the injuries, even those that may not be work-related. And read the cancellation endorsement every policy year to make sure you understand it. And finally, TRIA is another corporate welfare tax that we'll never get rid of then the Treasury has blown all the money on prostitutes and parties. I'm kidding. Sort of. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac. Small Biz Brainiac.